wine first unto this country, a stranger I came of. Oh, Cordelia, fair maid, and Nancy was her When first into this country, that's Frank Richard from his new CD, Rough Enough, and I have Frank on the line. Hi, Frank. Hello. Now, I get the feeling, reading all the press, that this CD is a long time coming. You're exactly right. It's a long time coming. Well, is this this your first CD? It is. It is. Okay. How long have you been playing music? Oh, I guess uh, about 50 years. Why did it take 50 years to make a CD? That's a damn good question. <laughs> Maybe you should ask my psychiatrist. Um, it just did. It, uh, some people are... are I, I never really considered it seriously, but um, uh, as an alternative title for the album, Late Bloomer, because it just... It took me a long time to get it together. I could maybe elaborate a little, but that's basically it. Well, you do have quite a rich history. And were you a hippie fifty years ago? Well, yeah, I guess you could say that. I was a, a, a late sixties, early seventies. I guess you could call me a hippie back then. Yep. You lived in Woodstock, and one of your guitar teachers was Tim Harden. So, at the time that he taught you guitar, he was already famous for. If I were right. a carpenter, he, he wasn't really. He gave me. Uh, I met him in a little music store in, um, in in Bearsville, New York, which is just outside of Woodstock. And uh, Bearsville consisted of a, a post office and a little country store. And the word had it that uh, that's where Bob Dylan shopped with his wife Sarah because for food because he didn't want to go into town, into Woodstock, where the supermarket was. And anyway, I met Tim Harden. I was in a little music store there buying my first guitar, and there was Tim Harden. And I I said hello to him, and uh, I was just starting to play then. And uh, and I said, uh, which was really uh, silly of me, because he was famous. And I said, could I get a lesson from you? And he said, sure. And, uh, I mean, you don't ask famous recording artist for lessons, but, but I, I just did because he was a couple of years older than me. He seemed like a cool guy, and we met in this little store. So he told me where he lived, and I went up there, and I never did get a lesson. He was rehearsing with, with a wonderful band that I think was a guy named Mike Maneri on Vibes and Warren somebody on keyboards, and they were rehearsing, and... and um, I just sat around and and watched him, and at one point he uh, looked over his shoulder and he says, "Are you learning anything?" <laughs> <laughs> so I never, I got a, a lesson from him. The person I really got a lesson from, I don't know if you know the name. Do you know the name Happy Traum? Oh, Happy and uh, Happy and uh, what was his brother's name? Artie, Artie Traum, sure. Who died young? Uh, Artie died. I don't know about twenty years ago or more. Very young. I don't know what he died of, but he died way before his time. He, 
he was a, a wonderful guitarist, and uh, but and so was Happy. And Happy was giving lessons at the time that I lived in Woodstock, and he taught me how to play Wildwood Flower. He taught, taught me how to finger pick. I mean, flat pick. So yeah, uh, there was uh, Woodstock was jumping back then, and and uh, that's why I went there. Did you ever have a Bob Dylan sighting? No, and I, but I never tried. I. I, I was cool enough, I think, uh, that I knew where he lived, and I think a lot of people went up that road. It was a, a, a little road called Upper Bird Cliff. I knew where his house was, and but I purposely stayed away. And I did see guys from the band in town in Woodstock. I saw them uh, periodically. I recognized them. And I saw Paul Butterfield uh, a lot. He, there was a outdoor pub. I forget the name of it now. That... Uh, where you could sit out and, uh, outside and have a beer, and um, I saw Paul Butterfield there quite a bit, but I never saw Dylan. But I, I never, I never tried to. I, I thought this guy is harassed enough, and and um, so I didn't. But Rich, that's why I went. That's why I went there to Woodstock. I, so I imagine you met a lot of people who were there for Bob Dylan. No, I, I was just starting to play then, so I didn't know. Uh, any musicians on a professional level, but there was the, the musicians that lived in town. Van Morrison lived there then, around 1969, and Butterfield, and these people, and Tim Harden, and they had come there. They they gravitated there because, as usual, Dylan was a trailblazer. When uh, where Dylan went, other people went. If there was a music scene happening there, and and I was a hanger on and a, and a, and just starting out. Frank Richard is on the line. His new album is called Rough Enough. So you did want to become a, a performer. Yes. Well, I, in the very beginning, I I guess I did, but I started very late. Uh, I had already finished college, and um, most people that I knew had been playing at least 10 years or whatever, and here I was uh, just starting out. So it was it was pretty unusual what I did. Uh I'd been an English major in college and was thinking of going on to graduate school. And then I heard the music around that time, and I said, I want to do that. Which And it was a little crazy what I did, but I, I guess I sort of knew I wanted to become a performer. And yes, I was starting to play, get in front of people uh, after about a year or so. But it, it, it took a long, long time because uh, I was really playing catch-up. This was also the time of the Vietnam War. Did you avoid? Yes, it was. Did you avoid the draft? Yes, I did. I got a one Y, which was a psychological deferment. Uh, they said they didn't want me. Uh, I, I wouldn't be a, a good material for the army. Was that intentional or? Um, yes, yes, it was. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I had to get a deferment from a psychiatrist. So the psychiatrist. Felt that uh, that I wouldn't fit in, but um, I yes, it was intentional. I wanted to get that one wine. I wasn't able. They didn't classify me 4F, which meant permanently disabled or or, or unfit. But um, one Y was temporarily, so you had to you had to get recertified. And I think I got recertified once. Um, sort of forget. But yes, I, I had to I had to go back and get recertified. How did you do that? Was it legit? 
Yeah, it was legit. I just told him I just told him who I was and 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 how I felt and the psychiatrist said, "Okay, you're out." Gee, um, that sounds like pretty easy. I guess Well, it was at Whitehall Street in New York where they saw a lot of people um and uh everybody came through Whitehall Street in the metropolitan area. I mean, from the five boroughs, I think, and and so I don't know how easy it was. And but the other thing was, I dropped out of college in late '65, '66. I guess it was '65, and that's what. And they classified me one A in a heartbeat when I. Uh, they were just starting to gear up then for Vietnam, or, uh, but it wasn't. Things hadn't gotten to where they got to in '67, '68, where, where it was really crazy. People were going to Canada. It was. I was a little ahead of that. So I think it was easier to get a one Y back when I did it. Frank Richard is on the line. His new album is called Rough Enough. One of the moving, most moving songs on your CD is Mills of Lawrence. Tell me about that song. Well, I didn't write it. So all I know is is that the song speaks for itself, and I'm glad you like it. And it's a long song. We were worried about uh, that it, that went, it went on a long time. Um, the guy who wrote it is I've never met him, but he lives nearby, down in the Northampton, Mass, uh, Massachusetts area, and his name is Frank Cable. And I belong to a little circle of um, I call it the uh, the old guys club. There's a, a bunch of people about my age who, uh, well, before the pandemic anyway, got together get together uh, once a month at a guy's house and we swap songs. And one of the um, guys in that circle, a friend of mine named Bruce, played this song and it knocked me out. And I said, would you teach it to me? And he very generously said he would. So Frank Cable wrote it. I've never met Frank. I, I know he's performed in the area and that's about all I know. Well, here is Frank Richard from his new album, Rough Enough, Mills of Lawrence. factories of Lawrence on the Merrimack River while the water color changed depending on the color of the uniform in the 20th century the din of the factory was drowned Drowned in sounds of war Drowned in sounds of war In the dusky hour of dawn He took a lunch pail from the table And he walked down to the river Cause he was willing and able 
Kelly got to drinking, turned his back on the family. Then my father took his place there. He was only 14 when he went into the factory. Land of broken dreams, soot and steam. He walked into the factory. He was only just 14. He was a bright but unread boy who dreamed of doing better things. Then stitching soldiers' britches, so he left when he was 17. Legs as fast as lightning, a good hand on the trigger. So they shipped him overseas to do a tour in Korea. He was a soldier at 19. Shined polished marine Sharpest thing you've ever seen He was a killer at 19 He and mom were married Stationed in Morocco Inside that aircraft carrier, he took me in his arms and he kissed me one last time as he left for Vietnam. The war in Vietnam. Agent Orange and Napalm burned their homes, sprayed their farms. Did those people harm? My old man has two legs of sand, Agent Orange in his veins, in a nursing home in Maine, and he's still running up that hill, coming home from the mill. Dinner bell ringing on his mama's front porch, and there's a man like me crying overseas, wishing for a father who was taken long ago. What could have been, he'll never know. And what have we to show? But generations of sorrow My old man And his old man And his old man Still worked in the mills And the factories of Lawrence On the Merrimack River Where the watercolored 
changed depending on the color of the uniform in the 20th century the din of the factory was drowned drowned in sounds of war drowned in sounds of war Can you tell me what for? Frank Richard, his new album is Rough Enough. We just listened to Mills of Lawrence. Oh, I should maybe add that Tracy Grammer sings a harmony on that, and uh, and that that helped a lot, I think, in the, on the song. Well, for your first album, it, you have such great people on it. How do you know Tracy Grammer? Well, all gifts uh, in that regard come from the guy uh, who who helped me produce it and who recorded it, a fellow named Jim Henry, who's a, a, a legend. Um, well, maybe that's too strong a word, but he's very well known and very respected in this area of where I live. I live in southern Vermont, and he lives just down the road in Shutesbury, Mass. And he's been performing in the area, and uh, he's a wonderful guitarist, a multi-instrumentalist. And he... <clears throat> After Dave Carter died, he started playing with Tracy, um, and and I think they did a lot of shows together. He's played with Mary Chapin Carpenter, and and uh, he currently plays behind like Eliza Gilkison. I know he goes out with her uh, sometimes, and he's also uh, has a little home studio. And I knew about that, and so I got in touch with him, and he said, "Yeah, let's do it." So. Uh, he is has this wonderful network of musicians, I think, and, and, and I, I guess you think so as well. Uh, local local lights around this part of the world, whom Jim's worked with uh, for years, and and he calls on them when when he's producing somebody uh, like myself and and uh, who wants a, a bigger sound. And Tracy is. He knows Tracy well. Tracy lives also in the area. And so uh, when I said I wanted some harmony vocals, uh, he got in touch with Tracy, and Tracy said she was willing to do something. Was that a new experience? Being this is your first album, was that a new experience working it with all these wonder- people? It, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I've, I've been sitting with these songs for for years and in some cases decades, and, and I heard them in my head. Uh, often with a band, there were some surprises when the when the, well, there were a lot of surprises when the final product came out. But I'd I'd heard these songs in my head, uh, not just me playing them, but as a production, and it was a it was a dream fulfilled. What brought you to Southern Vermont? Um, my folks, uh, there's a there's a very famous. Uh, though not very well known. 
Solely to Aficionados is a classical music festival in Marlborough, Vermont, which is very close to Brattleboro, where I live, called the Marlboro Music Festival. It was started by refugees from the war um, uh, after the Second World War. It goes way back to Rudolf Serkin and a guy named Adolf Bush and a, another flautist named uh, Marcel Moise. And they, they were they were refugees that came to the States. I guess some or all were Jewish. And um, they, start, they started this little music festival in this little town of Marlboro, um, just up the road from Brattleboro. And my folks are, my dad was from Germany, and uh, they, so they were classical music aficionados, both of them. They loved they loved that music, and so they uh, would come up to visit the Marlboro Music Festival and, and listen and, uh, and come to concerts and rehearsals, and they, they enjoyed that so much that they ended up uh, buying some land and building a little house in Marlboro um, so that they could listen to the, the festival, the concerts, all summer long, and that was a big part of their life, and, and so that's how I got to the area was visiting them and, and, and knowing the area that way. What did your folks think of your folk music pursuits? That's a good question. They were not, they, they, they didn't, uh, they didn't understand it. it. It didn't turn them on. They didn't. And, and the fact that I started so late, it was, it was a bit of a struggle. At my dad's uh, funeral service, I, I, I made the crowd laugh because I said that, it, that I told my father that Beethoven was the Bob Dylan of his time. <laughs> and uh, that, that got a big laugh at my, at my at dad's service. But, but I guess the, the common denominator, the, the thing that uh, where we were uh, in sync or whatever, is that they loved music deeply. That, that was their language. Uh, that's how they, that was their spiritual um, kick. And, 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 I, and I got that from them. Frank Richard is on the line. His new album is called Rough Enough. It says on your press release back in the 90s you got a master's in environmental studies. Yeah. What, what led to that? I'd done all kinds of odd jobs uh, or, or jobs. Mainly, I worked as in driving trucks, loading trucks. I'd, I'd, I worked as a house painter. And finally, I guess in my late 40s, I... I sort of came to a dead end. I said, I don't want to do that kind of work anymore. And it was getting more demanding physically. And it was, and I, I got bored with it. I said, I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. So I'd always had a strong interest in the environment. So uh, I heard about this program in Keene, New Hampshire, which is not far from Brattleboro, where I live now. And so I, I investigated it, and, uh, and I decided to go back to school uh, to try to get a new career. It didn't work out very well. Uh, I, I got a couple of jobs after I got my master's, but having a career in it would have required me to move to parts of the country that, that I'd never been before, and, and, and I, I didn't want to do that. So I, the, the plan of the degree did, uh, didn't work out job-wise, but I learned a hell of a lot, and, and, I, and I had a wonderful time reading all the, the environmental books that I needed to get that degree. What is the experience of getting that master's compared to making your first CD? What, what brings you more excitement? 
Oh, the first CD is. <laughs> I mean, I I had a a really good time in school, and I read an enormous amount that I never otherwise would have, and I learned. I think. I mean, I I I was starting from from not not a hell of a lot because I wasn't a science major in college, so I had a lot to learn. But I got a lot out of that program. My appreciation for the natural world, the, the understanding of life processes and ecology uh, uh, was absolutely invaluable. But that was going to schools. Making the CD was like uh, a 50-year a, a dream come true. It's uh, not really a great time to release new music. At least it's very difficult to tour during a pandemic. Right. Has, has the CD... Have you, have you followed up on it? Is it getting airplay? I think it's getting some airplay. Not a lot. And uh, I've got somebody trying to help me, the same guy, who Biff Kennedy, who approached you, uh, who sent it to you. And uh, he sent it out to radio stations across the country, and I think some in Europe. And I think it's getting some airplay. But it's only been a couple of weeks. So I got my fingers crossed. What, what is your hope? Well, my hope is that... It, that it gets uh, airplay and then I'll get more interviews like this and, <laughs> and more interest like from people like you and that are that do radio shows and then uh, that it, 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 it might catch on create a little buzz who knows there's only one way to find out and that's the try and then you'll kick yourself for not making a CD 30 years ago no I don't think so like Bob Dylan says don't look back it happened the way it happened and um, I don't think it could have happened sooner. Uh, unfortunately, it would have been nice if it had happened sooner, but it just, it wasn't meant to be. So I, I am working on a second one, though. It's its a, a, a lot of it, all my vocals and guitar parts and bass and drums have been done. So now we're going to start layering on uh, uh, guitar and, and keyboards, and, and uh, hopefully it'll be out in the next uh, uh, three or four months. Well, congratulations. It's a real milestone to come out with the CD. Rough enough, the debut CD from Frank Richard. I'm going to finish with Praise the Sun. Did you write this when you got your master's in environmental science? Let's see. When did I? No. I had written that before I started that program. So I already had a strong interest in the environment uh, before I went and got that master's. That's why I did it. But but I, I had already I had participated in some anti-nuclear power marches, and, and, and I was involved, and, and, and I was committed uh, since, since the 70s, really. So Praise to the Sun was written, I think, sometime in the 80s, so a long time before I went back to school. Frank, thank you so much for taking time to talking to us. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. The final hours, the hour 
arrogance of humans was beyond belief. Drunk on their own power, astride the golden calf, while the earth knew no relief. Just relentless in that search for gold, they built great cities, proud of it cold, ignoring the ancient truths. Of holiness, ah, but I heard a voice in the wilderness saying praise to the sun and the earth is shines upon. Get out to the wilderness. 